Before we start the show, we just want to do a, a quick warning. We are going to address things that happen in the movie, some violence and some sexual assault. So if those are a trigger for you, please be forewarned. He was probably like, oh, she lost her eyes. Yeah, she deserved that. <laughs> it's something we call poetic justice here in <laughs> Devil's Night, Detroit. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot. It's the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good to begin with. My name is DJ. Hi, I'm Damon. The Damon. I prefer. The Damon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm article-less. You are full of article. We're going to watch The Crow because why not? I don't know why I said because. Why did I begin a <laughs> sentence like that? <laughs> why do you feel the need to justify things to everyone? You don't have to explain. You're already listening to the podcast. It's Halloween. Spooky, but we're scaredy cats. The same caveats we have to add every time yeah we don't do actually scary movies so this is the kind of movie we do for halloween looks pretty scary looks like a limited color palette Ooh, Ooh, looks like it launched a thousand bands i don't really care for man we have so much to talk about though with this so i have not seen this movie since the maybe i saw it multiple times when it first came out but like oh, really? I, I have not seen it since probably 1994-95 like i have never seen it again and i was super into this movie this came out in 94 i think most famous for brandon lee dying on set <laughs> unfortunately yeah yeah that's true and i didn't mean to laugh lee fans no it's i mean it's it's an absolute tragedy but my my experience as a whatever how old were 12 12 year old when the 12 13 year old was oh that's that's crazy that's weird anyway i love this movie you know what i mean that was kind of my my reaction uh-huh this was a big one so friend of the podcast david mort was a, a grade or two uh older than me and he was in this group of people that i that i thought were super cool and i looked up to and they were super into it so i don't even know if i actually liked it or if i was just like i I like what they like. I remember David actually acting out scenes <laughs> in in choir. He would be acting out scenes in this movie. There's a moment where the crow gets shot and just says, fuck, which is a <laughs> funny reaction to being shot. Yeah. Put out is usually yeah. not the emotion that comes after a, a shooting. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is really going to tank my afternoon. Boy, I'm going to have to dig that out now. You know, this is going to be this whole thing. It's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be this whole thing with this bullet. What about you? Did you, did you ever, have you ever seen this? I have never seen Crow, the, as it's known in the Library of Congress. And it's also, I mean, I'm not saying it's associated with ne'er-do-wells, but it certainly wasn't associated with the, you know, the bubblegum teensters that I would have been cruising around with. <laughs> you know, in our pink convertibles, you know, uh, having pizza bagels after after school, not getting into trouble, not soiling our jeans. So I I didn't see this. I I remember seeing a lot of uh, t-shirts of the crow mm-hmm. on people and it being like I mean certainly not the level of Kurt Cobain but like a thing I feel like. It was definitely a thing. And even though was Brandon Lee in anything else? No, he died in this in this movie. <laughs> no, I know. He wasn't in anything else after this. Oh, okay. I meant prior to the crow, was he in anything of note? This might have been his first movie. I don't remember. I don't know that part. I don't know that trivia. We'll look it up. Mm-hmm. And just in case someone out there doesn't know, famously also Bruce Lee's son. Right. And so this was supposed to be like the, for lack of a better his term, second ball, coming. As it yeah, were. exactly. His coming out party of, of sorts. <laughs> it was also, it was very influential influential to like the goth or goth light community mm-hmm. or a burgeoning mm-hmm. goth scene of which I, I would say I was only... I was definitely not a goth kid, but I was like around the perimeter of that just by being like a a, a light grunge kid. Mm. And there was some there was some like crossover. Light grunge. Is that like dusty? You're not you're not covered in grunge. The next step down would be grime, but the next step up would be like I wore the flannels. I listened to the sound gardens. <laughs> I listened to your Nirvana's. Uh-huh. But I didn't like I didn't commit. You know what I mean? Much like the rest of the 90s. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually is the most grunge thing you can do, really. <laughs> oh, grunge. Yeah, it's all right. And then just sort of lean against a wall. Yeah. Eh, who cares? I don't know. Why. It's turning into, I don't know why it's like Tony on a street corner. Eh. Flipping a coin in his hand. You guys don't know nothing about grunges. Ticketmaster sucks. 
I mean, that's just a fact. Well, I mean, yeah, it's not really that far. Thanks, Eddie, for stating the obvious. You're absolutely correct. It does suck. I don't know if I would make it my personality, but it does suck. <laughs> I don't know if he made his personality. They were just- let, they Just are, let me uh, have this. Just okay, let me you know have what? This. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Eddie knows what he did. <laughs> Eddie knows. This was this was a precursor because uh, shortly after this season of, of my life of, of grunge, I got into more like, because I started playing guitar, I got more into classic rock. Well, like, you know, when you're a kid, you discover something and everything else has to be bad. You can't like, like two things. So I couldn't still like grunge. Right. Two every season, turn, turn, turn. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That was from The Crow originally. <laughs> Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young, famously in The Crow and wrote that song, Travel Back in Time, and made it a hit. <laughs> I think that was The Burns. Anyway. Oh, you might be right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but also, this movie led to influencing the reimagining, the redesign of Sting the Wrestler. Not to be confused with Sting, the musical artist. Or Sting's on bees. And in the mid to late 90s, Sting redesigned himself. He would like be up in the rafters of the wrestling rink. Wrestling <laughs> why can't rink. I think, why can't ring, I think of, the of the wrestling arena, pitch? The wrestling the arena, court? Yeah, the squared circle. He would be up in there and everybody would be like, for weeks, he would just be up there. And they're like, I think that's Sting. And then eventually he'd come down and kick some ass. Wait, he didn't come down and wrestle? Rassle? He did eventually. He did eventually. But he just hung out in the rafters for weeks yeah. on end, and everyone's like, I think someone's got a bucket of shit up there. He's not coming down, though. Is someone feeding him? There's a takeout guy who keeps going up three times a day. <laughs> Is anyone looking into that? That's for a 90s wrestling episode, which we will definitely do at some point. But that whole look was absolutely influenced by The Crow. In fact, it was a complete ripoff. Mm -hmm. And this is, I don't know, for some reason I've always just avoided this movie because it just does not, it looks like if you took Tim Burton's Batman and removed mm -hmm. any semblance of fun out of it. It just looks so dire. But apparently David Mort, that one scene that David Mort reenacted, that sounds funny. If, if someone got shot and reacted in a funny way. Yeah, I don't know if it actually is, but I remember that. So he... If I remember correctly, and I'm sure that I don't, I think he, the, our main character dies and then comes back and has like, he's like a superhero. So he's like kind of avenging, because I love saying this, it's a dark, gritty superhero. Ugh, yeah, finally, 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 a dark, gritty superhero story. This was 1994. So they were, they were on that dark, gritty train before many people at least tried to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I got to be honest. I don't have high hopes that this is going to hold up at all. I think it's going to be kind of like a silly action movie kind of vibe. Well, if we go in expecting that, we might be okay with it. But I don't think it's going to be a cinematic masterpiece. Do you think it took itself too seriously or it just became almost like, I mean, probably the best comparison is The Dark Knight. Like it became a thing because someone died around mm. it. Yeah, I I think that's part of it. Became super serious. Yeah, big a big part of the mythos is just that he died. And he died, it's not like he died while they were filming it or after like Heath Ledger did. Like he died on set getting shot with with a blank or what was supposed to be a blank. I'm not, we'll have to read about what exactly happened because I want to go just by memory at this point. But it was an accident on set. Can you tell me where where Alec Baldwin was when this was being filmed? He was actually filming The Shadow on the set next door. So ooh, ooh, ooh. Is that the right Baldwin, or was that a different Baldwin? No, Alec Baldwin was okay. The Shadow, a movie I've seen much more than I've seen The Crow. I think this will be better than The Shadow, but I haven't seen The Shadow in, since the 90s either. You shut your mouth. <laughs> How dare you? My father is The Shadow. You know, so you know that that saying that people say about the, the Velvet Underground that like only 10,000 people bought that album, but every one of those people started a band right after? Mm. Do you think that's the case with The Crow, and that's why we have like bands like Evanescence? <laughs> A few years after this, we get we get that super self-serious, dark but still poppy explosion, that emo-ish explosion of the- uh, I gotta be honest. I have a soft spot for that stuff. I love that shit. But I think that, I think that stuff, I think that train was coming regardless. So I, maybe it hastened this, you know, maybe it greased the skids if, if it were, but like, I don't think it, they invented this sort of movement. Movement. You're right. It is a movement. The Crow Movement. So I guess we'll go. I, I don't know why I took the reins. I guess we'll go watch the, the the Crow now. I never do this part. I don't know why I decided this was my moment to shine. We're going to watch The Crow. Watch along with us. We'll be right back. Ka -ka! <laughs> 
I hope he says that. That's what I want him leaping off of a building in the rain. Yeah. It looks like always in the rain. Yeah. Monsoon season in titular city, Crow City. And then he cacaws at people. Crowberg. It's called Crowberg. Have some respect. Life is like a hurricane here in Crowberg. No, literally, it's a hurricane and it won't stop raining. So everyone, you should be indoors. Yeah. Please board up your windows. I want to travel in a murder. I'm sorry? Oh. (laughs) I don't want to commit a murder. I want to travel in a murder. I thought you were talking like going on the Orient Express or, you know, taking a steamer down the Nile. I thought that's what you meant. (laughs) Okay, let's get it. Damon, are we in it? Are we? Is this happening now? Sorry, I was looking at. I was looking up Crow Comics. You and I are friends, right? Would you say? Yes, I would say that. I think almost two hundred episodes in, I can say it. I can be honest with you. If people can't support the show on Patreon.com/slash Unit an Idiot, it's fine. I have to be honest with you. It's fine. We're gonna keep doing it. We're gonna keep doing it. <laughs> if they wanted to listen for free, don't tell any of the listeners. But if they wanted to just listen for free, that's fine. But if they wanted to support us, if they wanted to get extra episodes, if they wanted like some uh, live streams uh, occasionally, they wanted some other stuff, they could just go to patreon.com slash and sign up there. You understand that, right? Yeah, I think I'm I'm picking up on a fairly simple concept that you're explaining. Okay, good. I didn't want that burdening either of us. You didn't want that weight on your shoulders. You, you needed to release it. If I were murdered right now before I had just talked to you about that, I would probably have to come back. As a superhuman with healing powers to be like, hey, Damon, they never really had to unless they wanted to, unless they wanted the extra stuff. And I'd be like, you crawled out of the earth to tell me this? He was real comfy in there, too. Yeah, I imagine it would be nice. It looked like a nice coffin. Nice coffin. (laughs) I spent most of that confused. (laughs) That's how I like my commercials. (laughs) Marketing. You've done it again. How do you do it? And we are back from the dead. Ooh, I see. Because you're playing into the themes of the movie, the motifs and the what have you. The Crow. We watched The Crow. Can you believe it? (laughs) In a way, I can't. In a lot of ways, I can't. I don't remember what order we're in. Am I recapping this or you? Mm, That's a great question. And I will recap it. I'll recap it. Love it when you recap. Okay. Always good when the recap starts with a stress headache <laughs> and a bridge of the nose rub. Picture this. Sicily, 1928. <laughs> but also the Devil's Night, I presume 1994. The Devil's Night is the day before Halloween when it's pretty much the purge was the vibe I was getting from this movie. I know the Devil's Night is a real thing in like Detroit where more, more worrisome pranks might be pulled. I mean, I guess that's the vibe here. Things are on fire in some apartment buildings in our nameless city, Crowtown. <laughs> that's worrisome. Also, a man has been chucked out a window and a woman killed on a bed. I hate to see it. Winston Zeddemore from the Ghostbusters, he's on investigating the, the crime. We meet this young girl who apparently knew the uh, couple, and she's like, oh, Winston, Ernie Hudson is like, your sister's going to be fine. And she's like, she's not my sister. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then it cuts to a year later, just a fun little prologue to this movie. It was the murder, double murder. A year later, literally to the day, so October 30th. And we see a young, let me check the the facts on this. A young Eric Dravens has clawed his way out of his tomb, out of his uh, grave. So that's nice. And he's barefoot. He's walking down the alleys. I'm really concerned about like needles and glass, but whatever. Uh, I guess if you're dead, you're probably not that worried about it. He's following a crow uh, that seems to be calling to him. It leads him to some uh, Doc Martens that were thrown out, but I guess they're perfectly fine because he puts them on and never complains about them wearing them for the rest of the movie. Doc Martens, they never break down. That's how you know. That's why you'd throw them away if you uh, were living in Crowtown. 
Oh, where to go from here? So Eric goes back to his apartment, finds it still abandoned 365 days later, still not being rented out by anyone. You know, he puts on some uh, spare Halloween costumes he had lying around, paints his face up to look like Pennywise, and the crow lands on his shoulder, and then we're like, crow, and then we're like, oh, it's him. Anyway, he still goes like girl with a dragon tattoo style to hunt down all the people who killed him and his girlfriend in order. That's important. So he kills Tintin, then he kills Dr. Feelgood, then he kills Knives, then he kills Wacky, then he kills Sneezy, Doc, Grumpy, all, all the hits. And eventually he he stumbles upon the drug lord slash necromancer played by, uh, edit this out, Michael Wincott. Top Dollar is his name, is our, our drug yes. lord's name. And he runs the city pretty much. So he's not happy to have all his lackeys killed. I wouldn't be. Shit happens, man. There's a fight. They're on a cathedral. The point is, Top Dollar dies, gets stabinated by the spires of a cathedral, by Ling, his girlfriend, who's also some sort of witch, gets her eyes poked out by the crow, the literal crow, not our hero. He doesn't have pecking powers. One of the few powers he doesn't have. (laughs) I I don't know. You're almost, you're so close. Just finish it out. Come on, come on. I know. And then he's like, Then he goes back to his grave and then his girlfriend, who apparently was also reincarnated, she's like, hey, boo, what's up? I was getting I was getting a Detroit style pizza over here while you were avenging (laughs) my dad. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And then they there they live happily ever after. And Ernie Hudson, despite being shot, I think survives the girl. She's chill. Crows, man. Crows. Damon, that recap. Yes. Was goddamn flawless. Ooh, Crow. I only watched this one once. I usually try and like, I like to watch yeah. them twice, but for reasons we'll get into, I watched it <laughs> once. Scheduling, obviously. I mean, you know, I'm chock-a-block with meetings and appointments. You know me. Flawless recapper, mm-hmm. in demand. Two descriptors <laughs> for you. Due to the recap. I'm <laughs> constantly, the, people yeah. just have me come by. I go to coffee houses and I do it to uh, people snapping. I do a recap to, to movies. I just say, name a movie. And I just start recapping it. New podcast idea. You recap every day's events. <laughs> That's called history. That's <laughs> the first draft of history is called recapping day's events. <laughs> you mentioned this a couple of times. We're not, this isn't any particular city. In the, I don't in think the they movie. name the city. No. It's very rainy. It's a, a city that definitely has a monsoon season. I can tell you that because, whew, wet. I got gout just watching this. <laughs> it's a very like Gotham City vibe. Like it's very crimey in a way that no actual. This is how conservatives in America right now see all American cities. Yeah. And they're terrified of them. <laughs> if you go to Boise, it's constantly raining and there's just. <laughs> Guys shooting people in the street, arcades getting blown up. Ernie Hudson is just exasperated and is like, I'm just going to eat hot dogs until this thing blows over. The only thing inaccurate that you just said is out in Idaho, they pronounce it Boise. What did I say? Boise. Boise. What did you say? With an an S instead of a Z. Boise. Oh, Boise. I'm supposed to say Boise? I mean, that's how they say it. I don't think anyone else in the entire country says it that way. Is it named after Count Boise? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) You're just full of compliments that I do not think I deserve. Ernie Hudson is in this. Did not remember that at all. He was unfrozen from his (laughs) Ghostbusters related things for this one movie. And thank God. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm happy to see, you know, he he's the Ghostbuster that got short shrift. He yes. Got pretty much edited out of the original cut of Ghostbusters. He's always like the odd man out in Ghostbusters 2. You even have to wait until the post credits to see him in Ghostbusters, colon, answer the call. Mm. So, I mean, I like Ernie Hudson. He seems like a real mensch. I'm happy when he's in movies, but yeah, he, he doesn't pop into them. Very often. I feel like he had a, 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 a something. He was in something recently. And it's not Ghostbusters. Oh, you know what it was? Ghostbusters Afterlife. Afterlife. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Never mind. Please <laughs> strike that from the record. You know what I noticed about this? And this is, this happens in a lot of movies. I mean, it happens to me because I'm older now, but also like I the dialogue volume versus everything else. This is a real problem. And it's a problem in movies across the board, but it's like it's a no, notorious indicator of maybe not a super well-made movie. <laughs> 
No, you won't know what you gotta do. The problem is your setup, man. You gotta get speaks in the back and in the front and on the sides and then up in the corners of your rooms and you gotta have a blasting at you. Listen, I watch Great British Baking Show on this exact same setup mm-hmm. and the dialogue is crisp and clear. I can hear everything that Prue tells me, everything that Mary Berry tells me. I, I can hear every syllable. So take that. You're absolutely right. And I there were several times when I watched this with Tyler and I turned to him several times and say, what did he say? Yeah. And we had to go back and then eventually I stopped going back for reasons I'll get into. Well, there was also like some of it was just like the where they decided to put it. Like I had to yell at the screen, Eric, I can't hear the dialogue over your masterfully shredding guitar. That was later in the movie where he's literally just wailing while people are trying to have a conversation <laughs> in a different scene but that was the transition <laughs> yeah there there's one Weird scene choices. where he i think it's the second murder when he steps into he's he's stolen the guitar from the pawn shop and he crawls into dr feelgood's i can't remember his name fun time i think is his actual name he walks into that ne'er-do-well's apartment and he's got the guitar in hand. I'm like, oh, no, is he going to sing at them? I'd rather you just shoot them. There's no reason <laughs> to be cruel. Let's not do this. Can we? Okay. So first, this movie is, has a small amount of narration. Mm-hmm. It's almost like designed to turn me against the movie from the off. Yeah. It is a child narrating our young mm-hmm. heroine, Sarah. She is narrating, I said, a child's narration of metaphysical circumstances great. She's describing (laughs) the crow mythos to us that sometimes crows will, I don't know, fetch someone from the afterlife and bring them back for- For unfinished business, essentially. For unfinished business. She didn't say that. Another thing that bothered me is like, I feel like if anyone has unfinished business in this story, it's motherfucking Shelly, not Eric Von Diem or whatever the hell his name is. Shelly is the one who was murdered- like Eric, but she was also assaulted and raped as the movie keeps telling me. Which we say a lot, but also very casually. Like it's mentioned a lot and also just like thrown off every time that we say it. And it's like, hey. Yeah. Like it wants to be edgy, but also like treats it like it's no big deal at the same time. And I'm like, "Uh okay, I wish you would choose which one you want to do so I can set my mood because each time it's just jarring and weird. Yeah. That you're treating this horrific event like, ah, and then they stole all my change and they raped her, I forgot to mention. <laughs> so, yeah, and she, it's it's done in this weird, I mean, I don't want to focus on it too much, but it's done in this weird silk stocking style cinematography where it's like in flashes and like it's from yeah. her perspective where all these guys are like leaning over her. And I'm like, so the crow incorporated or whatever, they go back and get the guy who was like killed almost instantly and she just has to hang out and hope that he avenges her murder. Like, let me do this. Yeah. If, if I've been, you know, murdered and raped, like, let me do the avenging. Yeah. Maybe it's just me in this post, you know, girl with the dragon tattoo world. But like, yeah, I think she can do some avenging, especially if you give her the special powers of healing or whatever his powers are. Because I don't think other than being a, a rocker, he had any special skills or were alluded to any special. I know Brandon Lee did, but like right. this character, it's not like he was like, oh, well, he was already you know, combat trained or whatever. At least not that I know of or that it's indicated. Well, we we only meet him posthumously. We never yeah. actually get... It almost feels like this movie starts 15 minutes in. It starts... The first scene is like them in, examining his body on the, on the ground, on the pavement outside his apartment building. So you never meet him in actual life except in like these weird Cinemax yeah. style flashbacks right. where he's like romping around with his girlfriend and Sarah at one point, which was kind of weird. Like they were all like hanging out. I'm like, what? It felt very yeah. much like the room where, <laughs> you know, Danny is hanging out with Johnny and, and whatever her name is. And I'm like, what? Why would Why he be? We- Why is this child here? doing this your honor why is the child here yeah that's a good point that i think we could have gotten a little bit more of like we don't don't have any indication of his personality to begin with and then we get like little tiny flashes of it but it's very very little so we can't see the contrast of now where he's a a little bit more i mean he's been dead but he's got this sort of maniacal 
you know, revenge thing. And we don't see that as a contrast at all because we don't know this character at all. Like we can imagine just because it's like, this is generic good guy. Yeah. But it's like, it doesn't really, the movie doesn't tell us anything. We have to sort of make that up. Yeah, and so it's also hard to, like, are these the crow's powers? Does the crow give you the power of being able to do flips and stuff? Or it certainly doesn't give you the power of crows, like, you know, (laughs) flying, for example, being able to use rudimentary tools, solving small puzzles. Enjoying shiny things. (laughs) It doesn't give you those powers. He does really want his wedding ring, so maybe... Oh, that's true. Well, I think you're thinking of magpies more than crows. I think it's collecting crows shiny too. things. All it's right. crows too. All right. Also, uh, magpies and crows are all on the same genus. Oh, crows, ravens, and magpies. Not not exclusively, but those are all my favorite candies. They all sound like like I'll take a handful of crows, a handful of ravens. Ooh, and just my dad likes the magpies. Just give me a little bit of those. Just a couple couple of those. I do like. I do think they're very pretty, but they're also very. They're like the parking lot birds. They're like seagulls. <laughs> I like like if they were a shade less black, I'd be like, ew, gross. But the fact that they're like just completely black and they're huge when they're you see enormous. them in, yeah. in life. We have a partial murder that hangs out outside my uh, house and I like them because they're constantly cawing. We got a lot of up close shots of crows, which are less charming, especially when they're wet. They seem very much more raptor like. And a lot of shots of crows like looking at things because part of his his part of the crow's powers is being able to look through a crow's eyes. The other crow, because there's still only one. Yes. Yeah, the second crow, his familiar's eyes. I don't know how useful this is because every time they cut to what I dubbed crow vision, it's like you're on a sinking ship trying to focus on the horizon. It's just like, whoa, whoa. It's, it's also just like, like three whoa. feet away from him at the time where it's like yes, you could just so saunter over there. It's just a fine. slightly different angle. It's kind of like you open one eye and then close it and switch the other eye crow back vision. and forth. Look out. Last year around this time, I was I was jogging on Halloween day Ooh. in the city cemetery. And there was a murder of crows hanging out on gravestones. And I was like, guys, a little too on the nose. <laughs> Take it down a notch. They didn't listen to me. They they just kind of looked at me. They were actually hired by the city. That was part of where your taxes go, is hiring a murder of crows <laughs> to hang outside the cemetery. You know what I like about Sarah, our semi-niece? Our heroine for a minute? Yeah. I agree with her about onions. They do make you fart big time. I love onions, and I can attest to they make me fart big time. But I just can't help myself. Good on you, Sarah. You're absolutely right. She is She is sort of, I mean, the movie does seem like it's going to set her up as like a protagonist. And the weird thing is, as part of my brain, I mean, as morbid as this is, was like, oh, okay, so maybe she's going to sort of do some duty when, don't say do some duty, she's going to like get a slight promotion you know, when we don't have a protagonist available to provide dialogue anymore. for Why am I being so weird? So uh, when Brandon Lee was unable to shoot because he was dead, right. I'm still phrasing it in the most callous yeah, possible. Yeah, what are you doing right now? What's <laughs> happening? Jesus. So Brandon Lee dies, you know, part, part of the way through this shoot. Yes. I thought that her character would like step up and be sort oh, of like our eyes and ears. Okay. Yeah. But then she also disappears during the most egregious part of this movie where... Brandon Lee is obviously like, it's obviously body doubles and, you know, he's shot in silhouette or very odd reaction shots they already had on hand from Brandon Lee, some of which are obviously interior shots when he's supposed to be outside reacting to someone. I'm just saying, sometimes it's weird, but I thought she would be that, but she disappears like during the second act, just like Brandon Lee does. And it's, it sort of leaves you kind of like rudderless in the movie. Let's go ahead and talk about Brandon Lee, that's obviously the big, that's the elephant in the room of this. I'm already doing a great job of talking about it. That's like the main, you know, fact about this movie is that's, you know, he died on set and it was tragic. And also he was supposed to be kind of like, oh, there's this potential big career coming for him, you know, but and this movie did did well. And partially because of the, you know, kind of controversy, controversy surrounding it. Right. This The tragedy. But the story is that like they were mostly done. And that there was only a few scenes left. But watching this movie, that doesn't seem true. And, you know, that's all just from, you know, that's not from anybody 
direct from the the movie or anything like that. That's just like Wikipedia and like articles about it. Like, oh, there was, you know, they were mostly shot, so they decided to finish it. It's like that maybe that's the story that somebody told, but but this movie seems like they had it like 60% shot. 70%? 70%? Yeah, it definitely feels like it was the majority of the film, but like yeah. the bare majority of the film. There's a lot of like kind of weird choices where it's like, okay, they didn't have, you know, they do like the the hand, like like we're playing Mist or something. There's like the <laughs> hand like pushing the door, which is like could have been a choice, but it was like, Oh, that's weird. Is that the beginning when he's returning yeah. to his apartment? Well, that, I mean, I I didn't even notice that because I thought it was just like a stylistic a change. Like, you don't yeah. want to show us his face yet yeah. until, you know, he puts on his makeup. So I didn't even notice until I was reading about the, you know, the, after, the, the trivia afterwards that that was sort of cobbled together after the fact. And he's there in the first act. I mean, he's, for the most part, like there. I didn't notice anything weird. It was really in the second act... Yeah. That he pretty much is shot in shadow and from a distance and he says practically nothing. And it's weird because like he's he's not he's not a taciturn hero. He is a yeah. very talkative hero for better and for worse. So when he just start, suddenly stops being present in the movie, it's noticeable yeah. that something's amiss. And I mean, I feel like I I mean, I don't know what they had to work with, but it feels like I would have the the logical choice would have been to have him more obscured at the beginning. Right. And they reveal over time. And yeah. then reveal him at some point. But they chose to have him be very present in the first act and sort of just go to be, you know, an NPC in the second act. It's very awkward. And yeah, they did what they, they could, I guess. Another option is not to finish a movie that's, you know, in pieces after a terrible tragedy. So apparently it's the second, I mean, I don't want to dwell on this too much because it's morbid and it's sad. Yeah. It's the second, the second uh, gang member who's apparently sleeping with Sarah's mom. He shoots Brennan Lee and that's when the gun went off and killed him. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it sucks, right? Like the, yes. it's sad and like we can, we have to address the movie for what it is, but at the same time, it's like, it's absolutely awful. And, you know, if there's one one of the small things that came out of this that is for the better is the sort of gun safety things that have, right. that were put in place. So it sucks. We can't really, it's not really fun to talk about. It's also, I mean, sort of to get a wider eye view of it, it's also one of those things that like starts to become apocryphal. Like I was reading through a lot yeah. of the trivia of yeah. the thing and it's it sometimes felt very like, you know, when you're listening to someone tell me all the back behind the scenes weird stuff that happened on the exorcist, I'm like, okay, but how much of this is actually true? Yeah, there was also like, I always heard, and this is, this is literally just at like recess hearing kind of stuff or like yeah. whatever the equivalent of junior high recess was where you just stand outside where you stand outside and lean against things that was our twitter of the time <laughs> you know like the the story was that you know oh isn't it he he died just like his father and it was like well he died young just like his father but it was uh-huh. not really the same at all it's tragic in both senses but it's like it's just kind of weird that it gets like the whole thing gets jumbled together especially i was a kid you know so we were like yeah not really fact checking these things. And so then it just like stays that way in your head until I'm like, oh, what really did happen? And how was that like? And you're like, oh, this, I mean, no. <laughs> well, I mean, you you hear a lot of things like like John Polito, who plays the pawn shop owner, like claims Miller's Crossing. that he, Miller's, yeah, a lot of Coen Brothers things. I'm your brother Seamus from Big Lebowski. He claimed like, you know, something happened, some weird, like he got cut, Brandon Lee got cut when he was in that pawn shop scene. And, John Polito's like, I knew then that something was wrong. I'm like, no, you didn't. Let's all just <laughs> stop it. Let's not dwell on it too much. It's tragic. Yeah. It's sad. You know, we were talking about this. What city are we in? Yeah. The one of the guys does refer to them as Motor, Motor City Motherfuckers. Oh, really? Which could just be some fun alliteration. It's definitely fun. They do mention Lake Erie. Oh, then it is. Maybe it is Detroit. I do remember someone. I think John Polito's character says something about Lake Erie. So maybe it is supposed to be Detroit. Yeah. I don't know. Or like around there. Don't you remember when Detroit in the 90s was run by that gang who was headed up by a guy who looked like he just got back from an Anne Rice convention? Mm. Don't you remember that? And his witch of a girlfriend pulled people's eyes out and then lit them on fire for reasons. Let's talk about our villains. Let's do it. So, <laughs> Should we work our way up the gang or down the gang? Mm. Ooh. 
Mm. I don't have as much to say about the- The lower gangs? Underlings, yeah. I've got plenty to say. They all are dumb names. Yes. (laughs) They're all given dumb names. Like if my mom had to come up on the spot with gang members' names, these are the names she could come up with. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got T-Bird. Easy, easy gang member name. I bet his name is actually like Thomas or uh, Tony. (laughs) Hey, that's part of the lore of the crow. We got Skank. Oof. Fun boy. Fun boy. So my favorite is Tin Tin. Uh, yeah. I, he's just a big fan of Belgian comics. <laughs> he just loves them. Aren't we Eats all? Eats them up. He, he actually was really pretentious about it. And he was like, it's actually pronounced Tan Tan. So <laughs> Candyman Tony Todd plays Grange. And of course, we got our hero, Michael Wincott, who you and I would recognize from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He was also in Nope this year. Um, he plays- Why a spoon? <laughs> Because it's dull, it'll hurt more. Top dollar is our is our top dollar in this uh, in this. I don't think his name is ever said in the movie. Good. He is literally <laughs> dressed like the vampire Lestat. He is wearing a double breasted uh-huh. vest, a puffy shirt, Jerry Seinfeld style. He has Lord Elrond's straight hair wig on. He styles that every morning. Oh, the flat iron. It's annoying. And he constantly leaving it on. Bai Lang has to go in there and make sure it's turned off (laughs) before they leave for work, for gang work. (laughs) It's so lewd. It feels like whatever the gang equivalent of satanic panic is. Like, this is like, no one is doing this, you know, crazy suburbanites. This isn't how gangs work. They're not pulling, they're not fucking a girl to death. In this case, I'm talking about Biling and Top Dollar have a girl in their bed and they like roll her over and they're like, oh, I guess we broke her. And then Biling's like, I really liked her eyes. And then she gets out a knife and takes it to the girl's eye. And I'm like, yeah, what is this gang? Like, what is, what's the plan here, guys? At one point, they're literally eating bullets. Yeah, they're eating bullets. DJ, they are eating bullets and downing them with shots. Like, this is a Sunday school teacher's fever dream of what gang life is like. like. Reefer madness, but for gang (laughs) violence. And it's like, what is their plan? Because, like, they literally have, like, a gang, you know, breakout session. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, we're doing workshops after lunch, but right now it's the the planning session, so we really need you all here. This This is is the the keynote. This is the keynote. (laughs) And then we'll do breakouts. There'll be lunch in the lobby. Grab one. Grab a sandwich. Quiznos, Skank. For the last time, Skank, stop asking. It's Quiznos. You know it's Quiznos. You know we couldn't get Jersey Quiznos every year. Just fucking stop it. But their plan was, so like, they literally just talk about how it is, by the way, confirmed Detroit from the Wikipedia page. Wikipedia. Not, it's not like anyone could edit it. I know. (laughs) But I think this, this seems right because it's, it's not like, you know, the citation needed, you know, it seems backed up that's right there's a there's a footnote with a number no citation needed (laughs) so they're talking about and they're in this they're in their keynote and they're like hey normally we set fires on devil's (laughs) night but it's not enough this time and then he blah 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 blah. we need to set a really big fire (laughs) it's his new plan that's his new plan because the old one Man, it's just, it's just, it's played out, man. We need a new plan, but like more fire. It's the, it's the George Lucas school of, <laughs> of crime. It's like, bigger. you know, remember the last Death Star? Imagine that slightly bigger. That's what we're doing this time. Yeah. Well, I mean, how much do you rake in from a normal fire? $200, $300? If you get a big fire though, you're looking at $1,200, yeah. my friend. Fire, the big money's in fires. And I'm sure, like, you know, the thing is they light a fire and then, you know, loot or something. But they don't really say that. They just say, yeah, then we're going to make money. But it's like, what? From fire? (laughs) I I thought that also... Are you chefs? The the vibe I got was maybe that Top Dollar owned the the buildings that... And there was an insurance thing, but like... That sounds so white collar. Why would you do it on a specific day? Like, why would you? Why? Why? Why would you set the, all the fires on one day? That seems like an easy way to like get caught seems with the like insurance, insurance fraud. company. Would would catch on? There was this guy in my hometown. There was this restaurant that burned down like two or three separate times over the course of many decades, and it was like <laughs> everybody was like, "Okay, that's enough, my man, my dude, that's enough." <laughs> and there's also another plant. So the reason that or at least partially the reason that 
what is the the fiance's name who dies? Uh, Shelly. Shelly. The reason that Shelly is targeted is that she has like signed a petition because she's against something like a regulation or something. They wanted to like they want to kick everybody out of the building or something. Yeah. So they probably could set a big fire. So they were going to set it on fire. It's not super well explained, but it does kind of line up with that insurance fraud thing. The petition was, please stop lighting our buildings on fire. Yeah. And they're like, all the residents got together and decided, we don't want you to burn our building down. Our homes down. And so they're like, I know. And Top Dollar's like, let's murder her. And then he just, Eric just walks in, I guess, while that happened. And they murder, they stab him, shoot him, and then throw him out of a window. Defenestrate, excuse me. They defenestrate him. Thank you. That's the medical term. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the long and short of it. That's gang life. (laughs) Don't hate the player, hate the game, I guess. The mostly fire-based game. Yeah. I I mean, I don't have anything to add about that. It's definitely the underwear gnomes of gang life. We're going to set a lot of fires. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Profit. I have a few things. I want to touch on before I, get in, before I get into <laughs> before I get into quotes. Okay. Oh, okay. Please. And I know you have a lot of quotes as well. I kept texting them to you. Yes, you did, and I, you know, I hadn't watched the movie yet, so I was like, "What? What are? What are we doing here?" So, what Biling is the kind of yeah her the character's evil name Lynn of this uh, <laughs> setup. <laughs> yes, her character's name is Micah. I'm not again. I'm not sure if that's ever said in the movie, but that is what she's listed as in IMDb. I don't know why I know Byling. I have no idea. I she, I feel like she was a two thousands. She was a thing. Yeah, but not a real thing. Like just she was showing up at movie premieres mm. dressed like I don't know a broom or something, and we we're like, wow, cool. She seems great. But no, no, not not as artistic as Bjork. It was more dumb. So at some point, her character figures out uh, somehow that if they kill or or injure the crow, that the crow will lose his powers. Yeah. She figured out the crow's powers much better than I did as a person who was watching the crow be created and start his career in crowing. Yeah. She figured it out real quick. But I was like, I was still on the on on behind the eight ball. I'm like, what does he do again? How does it work? Yeah, before we get into that, let's talk about his powers. So he can heal yeah. very quickly. We see that immediately. Like his, He cuts his hand and they, he watches them heal very quickly. Okay. He can do athletics, but not. it doesn't seem superhuman. It seems, I mean, talented. It seems talented. like a talented Absolutely. human. Skilled. Extremely skilled. Mm-hmm. Simone Biles style, but still yes. of this earth. <laughs> but yeah, but like, but like possible, like Brandon Lee probably did those stunts. Uh-huh. But that's it, right? Like, I mean, he can, and he also can see through the eyes of his crow. He doesn't seem to control the crow. No, the crow seems to be his manager, not the other way around. Yeah, the crow seems to be autonomous. He's like the third of. key to this this crow system. Yeah. But that's that's it as so far as I can. Oh, no, no. He can also see the past through people's, Im- like through images in there, but only related to his life. And he can also transfer that past. That's to, what he does to the back. Actually, yeah. in, in in that case, he transfers Shelly's pain powder style to top dollar. Yeah, which I think he. it seems like he got that from Winston Zedemore, like uh, somehow. Like he, he put it in a little jar in his brain. Yeah, he encounters Ernie Hudson's character. He visits Ernie Hudson at his apartment, finds out that Hudson had sp- stayed with Shelley at the hospital yeah. until she passed away, which is like, I-, I thought you were a cop. Don't you have to go somewhere? I mean, appreciate it. Don't get me wrong, but it feels like you have a job to do. So he learns that, and then he screams, don't touch me, when Ernie Hudson's like, what's wrong? And reaches out to like grab him. Brandon Lee like flips out on him, but it's still never like pretty clear of like, what? What we're doing, yeah. Just seems like he had a, a bad experience, like seeing that. Of course, which that that part worked for me. But like the transferring was like, oh okay, I guess you can do that. I also did not read the, the comics, so the, it might be right, right. the comics more. I don't know. I have not read the comics either. I mean, Wolverine and Superman suffer from this a little bit. But all I could kept thinking, and this is probably a little bit more niche for anyone but me, <laughs> oh, good, is that there was a mystery science theater movie where it was called Prince of Space. 
And one of the running jokes in that episode is that the main character of the movie they're watching, Prince of Space, arrives on Earth, tells the the alien villains, your weapons are useless against me. Nothing you can do can possibly hurt me. He says this in the first scene. And so the villains naturally spend the entire movie shooting at him with lasers and space beams and, you know, moon guns. (laughs) And every time, like, the robots are like, I cannot stress this enough. Your weapons are useless against me. And that's what I felt like screaming throughout The Crow is like every scene played out the same way. He encounters one of these local street toughs and they're like, oh, I got a solution for this guns and they shoot at him and he's like Ha-ha. they haven't all seen him necessarily no i know i mean yeah there's a dramatic irony to it in that yes. i am aware that these their guns are useless <laughs> but it becomes quite boring to watch yes. because yes. everything plays out the same way of them shooting at him and he's like haha i've done it again i've healed and they're like huh and i'm like uh yes i know movie i know his guns won't kill him so it really takes the rug out from any like uh, fear. Yeah. On the other side of that coin, though, at some point he loses his powers, and the movie never really explains why. Well, because the crow's been injured. Is that the case? Like Byling has the cro- the crow, and so now yeah. he's losing his his crow powers. Well, she she's like I don't know how she knows this, but she's like if we kill the crow, he'll die or lose his powers. I don't know what she says, but so Tony Todd. Candyman shoots the crow and doesn't kill it, but does injure it. And so in so injuring it, it, like he loses his healing powers, but not like not so much that he just dies. So he's still got his resurrection powers, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's one of the powers we didn't mention. Being oh, yeah. alive being back, when he's back from dead. The dead is a good, <laughs> a good power to have. That's probably the main one. So and then, OK, when he is con- confronts by Link, she's holding the animal crow, the bird crow, while confronted by the human crow. Oh my God. Like literally the only thing I would be thinking if I were holding a crow is this thing's going to peck my eyes out because that is like the main thing for birds. Yes. Anything that's not covered in feathers is pointy on crows. Yeah. It's either going to talon talon me or it's going to peck my eyes out and that's exactly what it does and Mm -hmm. in some ways that's satisfying because she's a villain and the bird pecks rise and also like don't hurt the bird bird's cool man i mean it's sort of satisfying but we don't meet her enough to really give a shit aside from the fact that she carves people's eyes out so maybe i should have cared more but she only seems to carve strangers eyes out we find when we find top dollar he's just got like spare eyeballs in his pocket that he keeps throwing at people that's supposed to be threatening, but it just comes off as very silly and stupid. Yeah. So if don't we know what her deal ever is. felt threatened by her, but she always just seems to be like getting people who are already dead's eyes. Yeah. What I'm saying is I don't know if there's a lot of character work here. <laughs> yeah. You don't really understand exactly why. I mean, she's like clearly, I think what we're supposed to do, and this is me filling in some gaps here, is Please. like understand that she's mystical and maybe into like witchcraftian kind of things she's got some black magic who you know who's going on there and so she (laughs) i don't know so (laughs) so just go with it and so therefore somehow she knows because she knows the legend of the crow or whatever she knows this information but it's like Mm -hmm. okay yeah we don't really know enough to be sort of threatened by her and therefore it's not super girl when she finally gets it other than why are you harming this innocent animal which i guess isn't really innocent to her in this case because it brought this man back to life because it's killing all her friends yeah yeah i noticed uh, and again this is this may be apocryphal as well in the trivia it said that brandon lee requested an exotic asian character who had mystical powers to be cut from the script because he felt like it was a stereotype it doesn't name it in the trivia but i'm like are you talking about Bai Ling's character? Because I've got bad news for you, Brandon. She's still here and yeah. cutting people's eyes out and throwing cocaine at it at one point. Anyway, her character was, I mean, I guess I'd be more offended by it if it made, if this movie were better. If it were worse. I also forgot one of his powers, which is the the Irish exit. He's the master <laughs> of the Irish exit. That's true. He's, he's got Batman the Irish Begins goodbye. owes a little bit to the <laughs> yeah. crow. And they do like the same thing where he's like, Hey, have you? He's always doing that. (laughs) 
I forgot to mention, we should have known that Bai Lang had mystical powers when she came out of the shower in her first scene with a full face of makeup. Did you notice that? <laughs> like a complete full face mystical. of makeup. She's also, she's pulled a drag queen move where she's drawn on her lips bigger than her actual lips are. It's very distracting, <laughs> but alluring. It's ludicrous. It also, the, her first shot is her in the shower. She's doing, you know, you know, when you get in the shower and you sort of lean against the wall with your chest, but you push your butt out so that the water all runs down your back like a, yeah. a water pack park ramp. Yeah. She's doing that to show off her indecipherable ta- back tattoo that's gigantic. It looks like it's maybe a cricket or a child's drawing. I can't get over why she was in this movie. I can't stop thinking about Biling because she comes out of nowhere, does nonsensical things then disappears. Not to cut short your Irish goodbye talk. I just wanted to get that last little bit of bilingual nah, talk in. I'm just here for the butts, man. And there are there are butts to be had here. Also, I just want to say when her character does die and falls down the belfry or whatever, I did get to say bye-bye. Nice. High five. Thank you. Up top. Thank you. Come on. Up, up top. Yeah. Do yeah. it. Yeah. My, my last favorite thing before I, I would like to get some quotes going is that this is just a choice set piece thing is there's a a band set at some point like i guess it's at the hideout or near (laughs) the hideout of the bad guys then someone's doing like sparking metal work behind the band as like part (laughs) of the set and i was like that's literally metal good job (laughs) well done We're a heavy metal band that has literal metal that is heavy that we are working on thank you (laughs) Now, that's not Hangman's Joke, which is, of course, the Crows band, Priestumously, his band. <laughs> Thumously, is that what I would say instead of posthumously? Humously? His band's name is Hangman's Joke. Solid. Nice. Fucking male, bro. <laughs> Oh, I just, I know I keep harping on Biling, but when she does die, the minute she falls down the belfry, the crow's like, all right, on to the big boss of this dungeon, who is top dollar, who is literally standing like five feet away and seems to, I wrote down in my notes, like, my girlfriend's okay, right? She didn't get her eyes poked out by those, (laughs) by that crow she was holding. Like, he didn't seem concerned that his girlfriend just fell to her death. He's like, no, I've got to kill this guy first on the spires of this cathedral. No, it's not like Batman 1989. I don't know why you keep asking. Can't you see it's raining in this scene? Whereas in that scene, it was just kind of foggy and dark. (laughs) He was probably like, oh, she lost her eyes. Yeah, she deserved that. (laughs) It's something we call poetic justice here in (laughs) Devil's Night, Detroit. (laughs) Is that a neighborhood or? Uh, Yeah, I don't know why I said Devil's Night again. All right. Got some quotes here. You want want to feed me? Yes. Here's the first one I texted you. Yeah. This is when uh, the crow is fighting Tan-Tan. The Tan-Tan says to him, let me tell you about murder. It's fun and it's easy and you're going to learn all about it. What? It's fun and it's easy? And three, you're going to learn all and about it. And you're going to learn all about it. Well, I feel like you gave me two big bullet points there. <laughs> Is there more to learn aside from those? Oh, you mean actually experience it. Okay, I get it. I was just confused because it seemed like you were explaining murder and then you were telling me you were going to explain murder. Yeah. But what you're saying is you're threatening me, the crow, the titular crow, with murder. Got it. See, I feel like learning all about it would include not just getting murdered. Because, like, I could be turned around yeah. and someone stabs me in the back. And I've I've been murdered. I've experienced murder. I'm dead. Right. But I don't know all about it. I don't know who did and it. And you've only experienced one form of murder. Yeah. There's lots of forms. You've only been stabbed in the back. What about stabbed in the front? Yeah. Shot in the front. Shot in the back. Thrown out. Defenestrated. For example. A combination of all three. No, I think John Polito is in a lot, he's in a lot of movies I like. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It was both his delivery and the line, but he just kept saying shit on me when <laughs> he gets attacked by the crow. He says shit on me. Shit. He says it at least twice. Is the crow smashing his stuff right then, or is he has currently got a knife through his hand? I, I, I don't remember which thing, but he was... He was very upset and kept saying shit on me. (laughs) I did appreciate that he literally had a knife through his hand and rather than go to any sort of medical professional, he just sort of wrapped it up in a bandage and went to go see 
the head of the gang. And also he went to go get a drink at the bar where uh, Susan's mother worked. He went to get a drink while he bled all over the counter. Go to a hospital. That's going to at least need stitches. At the very least, Yeah, it's going to need stitches. <laughs> I also felt bad. Like, why are we bullying Don Polito? Like, why? I mean, I know he's a pawn shop guy, but- why would we just assume he's like in the gang? Because he had the ring. I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, but I mean, he's a pawn shop. Right. I mean, that's how he. He's like maybe not the most ethical, but he didn't have anything to do with the murder. Right. I've got some more, another quote for you. Please. Someone stabbed all his major organs in alphabetical order. That I believe is Skank. No, my sorry. I'm so sorry. That I believe is T Bird talking about what happened to Tintin. Intrepid Belgian reporter, Tintin. Snowy <laughs> reported missing. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, I'm not a coroner. I don't know about time of death. I don't think you can identify when all the organs shut down and in what order it would have been. And some may have lasted longer than others after they have been stabbed. So I don't know if you really pinpoint in what order organs were stabbed in. No, I think T-Bird was using hyperbole for emphasis. That's what I think. Oh, T-Bird. That does sound like him. T-Bird, you... Little scamp. No, not skank. That's a different guy. You're a little scamp, though. You get out of here. I do have to do a little play acting for this next quote. Oh, God. Is that gasoline I smell? <laughs> also from the pawn shop scene. I, I also remember my friends quoting that whenever we'd stop the cast with our parents because we couldn't drive yet. Right, of course. I'm not an ex- you know demolitions expert by any means. Wow. But I mean, when you fire a gun, I know there's a small explosion to, of course, get the bullet in motion, but it's not like the bullet's on fire, right? Would it just explode if I shot a bullet at a... Was that how that works? I thought the thing that happens to you when you get shot is that a piece of metal has just gone through your body. It's not like it's burned a hole through your body. There's a spark that does happen, you know, but it's at the barrel, which if that's what exploded, that would be very harmful. I mean, he would heal, but like, you know, would have pushed him back and it wouldn't have necessarily. But who knows? Maybe he shot a lamp. But he was also, he jammed a bunch of rings in the the barrel of his gun. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that would do anything. So when they, maybe they spark when they hit the ground. I don't know. I feel like we're doing a lot of like work for the movie to make, figure that out. <laughs> Got another one? Yeah, I do have another one. This is Ernie Hudson asking the crow, hey, I thought you were invisible, in- invincible. The crow responds, I was. Now I'm not anymore. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay, I mean, I guess that's about the legwork that the movie's doing (laughs) in explaining what's happened. So, all right. One of my guys got himself perished. (laughs) Oh, that that reminds me of another favorite line. T-Bird won't be able to join us tonight. He came down with a slight case of death. I feel like we could be making these up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but we're not <laughs> well do you want to do the the pretty much the tagline of this movie oh what's that victims <laughs> aren't we all the fuck are you talking about yeah wow man think about it i am a white kid from the suburbs i get it there's a scene where i can't remember what's happening is there a car chase or something but there's just a, a cop like this like a, a an extra like <laughs> side character but but they like Zips by and he this the weird the weirdest shot. And he like drop his sandwich or something. He goes, "What the crap?" Which <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, the other the other cop though, he I knew something was up because he had a styrofoam cup full to almost the brim with coffee. He's complaining about non dairy creamer. He's like, "You can barely call this creamer," you know. Then I don't know some villain or crow goes by. The other cops like, "Oh, we gotta go get him!" And like does like one of those. Tokyo drift moves like to get in on the action and the guy spills all the coffee but he does it in the very theatrical motion where it's obvious that he's just pouring the coffee (laughs) cup on his chest like oh how is this happening (laughs) I don't know why I became Arnold Schwarzenegger oh (laughs) the coffee is hot so that was funny to me you know and I I get the feeling that the movie didn't intentionally want that to be funny or maybe it did I don't know I don't know and I already hit both these but uh they make you fart big time. I'm going to be probably putting that in the old... Fire that one away. ...tank, and then also calling people Motor City motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, that's it. You want to go to the verdict? Yeah, I guess. Oh, <laughs> 
Wait, hold on. I want to look something up real quick. I'm flying to the Furkins. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll join you. Well, I'm going to send my crow to okay. look and see the verdict first, see, and then he can yeah. report back. And I'll Let like, so I'll see the verdict too, but it'll be from a slightly different angle. But it'll be kind of like, can you even see that? Like, you have to be like, it's like, oh, it's kind of like through a fisheye lens and the camera keeps moving. So I'm having, and it's in black and white. I don't even know if crows can't see color or not, but just seems like a real roundabout way of getting yeah. crime solving done or avenging done. Oh, I looked it up, by the way. Okay. I was waiting for <laughs> Sorry, you. I realized, I'm like, why isn't he saying anything? I'm like, oh, because I he doesn't live in his mind. My mind, he actually, <laughs> he has, has a life of his own and needs to be explained what's happening. DJ! Oh. How are you doing? Well, what's your verdict for the what, what, the the crow? Okay, listen. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what Brandon Lee's career would have been. He seems like he was a talented martial artist. From what I can tell in this this movie, he was not necessarily a particularly gifted actor, but he could have made a splash in the action movie realm, and it's an absolute tragedy, and it's very sad. There's some fun dialogue, but I don't think it was intentionally fun. It was fun <laughs> because it was so bad. You're going to try was an idiot. This movie is bad. This movie is way worse than I thought. I thought I was, I was kind of hoping to be pleasantly surprised and just be like, yeah, it's, it's a comic book movie. So there's some, you know, things, but it's, um, you know, this is worse than, worse than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too, as comic book movies go. <laughs> and there's not much redeeming about it. It's, a, you know, an action comic movie with kind of mostly pretty bad action scenes. There wasn't really anything to grab onto in any of the action scenes. As you mentioned, it's just like him getting shot. The like, and then like fighting in some way. They're also very confusingly choreographed sometimes yeah. as well. It's hard to tell what yeah. I'm looking at. Like the biggest action set piece as far as fighting goes is like the, the when he like attacks everyone in the boardroom. The gang boardroom, yes. The gang, but in the in the uh the keynote session. I'd call it organized crime, but it doesn't seem that organized. <laughs> no. And even then he's it's not really particularly interesting, any of the action scenes. I guess it's not the worst action scenes I've ever seen, but like doesn't really have a lot going for it. This is a bad movie. It's bad. Don't watch it. It's bad. It's just plus it's kind of sad. <laughs> just to involve yourself. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everyone. Damon, what do you think? <laughs> DJ, I couldn't disagree more. Just kidding. You're in child's an idiot. This movie, this may be the er movie for this podcast. A movie that is beloved mm. by many, was like a cultural milestone for people around our age. Including me. And I want to apologize to the craft. I want to apologize to A Christmas Story. I want to apologize, yes, even to Hocus Pocus. This movie is terrible. This is one of the worst movies that has a following that I have ever seen. I mean, to call it revenge porn would be insulting to porn. Like, this is revenge, like, grandpa's nudie cards. Like, this is not even, I mean, this is terrible. This is not a good movie. Part of it is the awkwardness, I mean, part of it is the awkwardness of the, the tragedy that sort of tanks the second act of this movie and casts a pall over the entire endeavor. But like, yeah. even when, you know, everything is working theoretically at like full tilt, this movie is bad. Like it wants to be Tim Burton's Batman, but it doesn't have the art direction of Tim Burton or Bo Welch. So it just looks muddy and gross. Like you can imagine, I'm no lover of Sin City, Robert Rodriguez's Sin City, but like at least that is like doing what The Crow wants to do better. Yeah, It's an ugly movie. Everyone in it is at best forgettable or at worst just like absolutely ludicrously stupid, but not in a campy way, just in a who are you and what are you doing here way. <laughs> the gang violence is just some sort of fever dream of like my my aunt, you know, writing Facebook posts. The, <laughs> Brandon Lee, I mean, I don't think he's that bad of an actor as far as I can tell. This script is atrocious. Like they're yeah, forcing yeah. this poor man to say, gobbledygook there's there's nothing to like hang on to the fact that he's able to say it with a straight face and make them sound like sentences you know he's an attractive guy who can say sentences 
people have risen to the top of Hollywood on far less. True. So I'm sure his career would have been great. And the best parts of this movie were, you know, the weird Cinemax scenes where he's running around shirtless with his girlfriend. I'm like, I can get behind this. This is a handsome man with his shirt off. But the rest of this is just garbage. Don't watch this movie. Like, this is not a good movie. It's not a campy movie. It's... It feels like the guy who flunked out of film school's like attempt to, I'll show them all. I've got a vision. <laughs> it's terrible. This is a bad movie. Your inner child is a fucking idiot. This is, I resent people making me think this could possibly be a good movie. What do you think, everyone? Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, 615-576-0525. If you want to become a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Oh, right. That thing we do. We'd like to thank our current patrons, including Mr. David Moore. David, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If you still harbor good memories of this movie, I do remember enjoying this with you as uh, children, but we were both children, so hopefully... Uh, you feel the same way. Anyway, thank you, David Mort. <laughs> the supreme ruler of this podcast. <laughs> Tyler Richardson. Shit on the cartouche. Jonathan Day. Jeremy Powlin. Lindsay Alice Halleck. Larissa Maestro. Karen Kurd. Heather Tuggle. Travis Vance. Demons Australian Eaksin. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Lindsay Now. The Hands of Fate. Dan McIntyre. The Elusive Fan Gromkin. Josh Frigo. Dramatically placed hot dog. Beth Sermont. His Honor the Mayor. Just Cuz. Scalphosaurus. Dr. Malcolm's Heaving Bosom. Particle Man. T. Smith. The Zesty. And of course, Jackson has an unhealthy obsession with Damon. <laughs> Thank you all very much. We really appreciate your support. If you want support like them, patreon.com slash Trainer Charles Minion. <laughs>